Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Greetings, Rare Ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. And I'm your host again, Joanne, back with another episode. And tonight we are joined by Ajay, who is based in Kolkata, India. Welcome, Ajay, to the podcast. Thank you so much. So, such a pleasure to be on your podcast. Uh, great talking to you and learning about your wonderful work. Thank you for taking this initiative for fellow entrepreneurs to learn from others' mistakes and be able to start their initiatives. I wish all the listeners a wonderful uh, time starting up and working on their ventures. Yes, absolutely. And it's really a pleasure to have you on. I've really been looking forward to this interview because I remember the first time we connected and we spoke, I was so inspired by so much of what you said. So I think the listeners will be equally inspired as well. So before we jump in, Ajay, tell us uh, just a little bit about you, your background, you know, who is, who is Ajay or who was Ajay before he became this superstar social entrepreneur? <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I am still someone who is uh, on a journey to discover myself, to further uh, kind of find myself about this thing. But yes, uh, as you pointed out in last uh, seven to eight years, I have slowly been discovering my purpose and which has mostly been about social entrepreneurship, working and addressing different social challenges. And uh, I've seen this field evolved a lot. So when I started about seven, eight years, I started with volunteering and it has been my university. Uh, it has taught me more about life, about work than anything else had. My university degree uh, has not taught me probably that much that uh, working with different organizations, volunteering with them, working with the, some of the amazing leaders and learning from them has been uh, a great experience for me. So as I started working and volunteering uh, with other organizations, I got a much more clarity on what really absorbs me uh, and what I would like to define as work means for me. And it has always been uh, coming to me that when I'm working on addressing a social challenge is something that gets me absorbed. And that's where things started opening up one door uh, after another. I started 
working with the organizations. I built some projects. I built some organizations. And now I am involved with quite a few organizations. Some I started and I continue to be on board. Some are organizations which were existing for two decades and I be on their, on their board and uh, try to support them in my capacity. Some I'm uh, more executively involved uh, in my professional capacity to build those organizations and run those organizations. So that's mm-hmm. how I divide my time around different projects and initiatives. At the same time, I'm always on hunt for new opportunities and new projects. So I look for youngsters uh, who could help me build these projects and try to kind of involve them in those projects and uh, take it to a level where it could become uh, a project or an initiative from just an idea. Wow. So, but can you tell us sort of what was the, what was that moment when you knew, okay, this, this was your thing. Like you said, you know, social entrepreneurship is the thing that really drives you. Was there one moment that you experienced or, or something that, that happened that sparked that or interest or planted that seed in you? Uh, I don't have one moment that I recall, but I, I could relate mostly as that some uh, mo- uh, it is easy for some people, they find uh, some really good talent within sen- themselves and they build their career around this or someone uh, very early in their school or college already knows that they are going to pursue this. They want to be a uh, be into marketing or they want to become a lawyer or a doctor. Mm-hmm. I never had a fixed pathway for myself and uh, what really uh, I, I did is that a lot of hunting and as I said, the volunteering experience, uh, when I worked, I got deeper into issues and it made me understand the kind of privilege that I come with in, as an individual to be uh, having access to the most basic services, including uh, dignity, uh, sanitation, food, shelter. Uh, so those kind of basics, education, access to healthcare. So these are basics and there are a large number of people who still in this era do not have access to such basic services. Mm -hmm. That's one of the tipping points which made me realize that this is such a large area of work and there's such a, uh, so much that can be done. There are so many things that one can do about this. And uh, when you actually go onto the field and help someone out, I am not trying to have that bias that, I'm in a position of power to help someone and I enjoy uh, being that. But just to have that kind of experience where you are doing something which is beyond yourself, uh, which is not directly uh, impacting an area of your life in terms of doing something for someone who may not, you are not expecting anything in return. Uh, that was really a very, very selfless experience that really gave me a high. And uh, I think that really, uh, you can say as a, one of the moments or one of the experiences just stuck on with me and in my journey. Mm, wonderful. Now, I know one of the things you're very passionate about is the environment. Uh, you, you were, or I don't know if you still are, um, a youth leader in that area. And right now, you are involved with the Clean Air Project. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, so uh, how it came to me as an uh, environmental uh, project is 
I was very passionate about public health, how health, uh, of course, people get affected. And that's where my interest in clean air started building up when I saw some data points, which is most particularly the Lancet Commission report, which talked about how so many people die because of air pollution related that more than actually uh, tuberculosis, AIDS, and uh, some, some of the diseases which we assume okay. are the largest killers. Mm, I didn't know so, that. So that, that, that really triggered uh, me that how this could be preventable. And that's when I digged a bit more deeper into the issue. And I understood that some of the elements that we consume as individuals that includes food, water, and air. Uh, at, seeing at water, you still have a choice because you look at the water, if it's dirty, you can still make a choice. Also, although a lot of people across the world do not have this privilege uh, to get access to clean water. But yes, uh, I'm talking about my city and we have access to clean water. In terms of food also, you can still choose what you uh, eat. But in terms of air, you do not really choose the kind of air that you breathe. Uh, and my, the air pollution levels in my city was really, really uh, high, but there were not enough monitors, not enough data that could actually make people realize how bad it is. And there were several reports that I read that pointed out that as many as 70% of our citizens suffer from some form of respiratory disorder because of air pollution. And mm -hmm. that really shook me off because uh, it affects children before they are born, while they are inside the womb of their mother, mm -hmm. when they are inhaling uh, this toxic air, they start getting the impact of it right at birth. And that was something uh, as a very big trigger. And I wanted to change this thing. I wanted to build awareness about the air pollution things, bring in better policies, better standards to uh, prevent air pollution in my city and improve the air quality in my city. So that's my involvement, how my involvement grew in environment. And as, as you get deeper into uh, understanding the environment, you certainly realizes that environment is not, uh, not, not, uh, not kind of something which you can disassociate as human beings because right. it's not an option. Mm. It's not an option. It's, it's, we need uh, a healthier environment to exist. The world will repair itself. It will exist with or without human habitation. But if humans have to exist in this world, we have to make peace with nature. There's no other option for us. Yeah. So the initiative that you have, the Kolkata Clean Air Initiative, what are some of the things that you do? I know it's, it's about raising awareness and education, but mm -hmm. can you tell us a bit of specifically about some of the initiatives? Yes. So the Kolkata Clean Air, right from the selecting the name of this campaign, we wanted to be very sure that we are not doing a campaign which is about anti-pollution, spreading negativity alone, but we wanted to do a positive campaign about Kolkata Clean Air, achieving clean air for Kolkata. That was one of the uh, starting points. And that's uh, what we did. We started um, collecting data and reporting data through media. So media played a very, very important role in this campaign in amplifying the voice uh, that of our group. Uh, we brought in different partners and organizations that could represent different communities because air pollution is a very uh, cross-relating issue. It affects health, it affects livelihood. So we bring in different uh, communities to bring their voices, add their voices. And we started this campaign by 
uh, also brought in a lot of doctors because you wanted to really uh, kind of highlight the health aspect of it. We did a few press conferences, we released uh, a few reports, we did a few studies to highlight different aspects of how different communities get affected because of air pollution. Then we also started, uh, as the data started coming in, we started building more pressure on this thing. And then there were some policies that came in, which uh, also mandated the government to do certain actions on air pollution. So all of these together started working and air pollution space uh, as, a, uh, as an issue worldwide has got a lot of attention in the last uh, few years. If you look at newspapers and everything, air pollution has captured a lot of mind space and a lot of because it creates a sense of urgency and when you try to address air pollution uh, you actually uh, fight uh, climate change because uh, to fight air pollution you really need to control emissions there is no mm. other fundamental way you cannot uh, let the toxic air to be released from factories from vehicles and then absorb it back that cannot work you have right. to go towards cleaner technologies uh, uh, that's the long way forward so uh, this is this kind of appeal to me and I thought that it's a great thing to uh, work on and I we, as a community as citizens initiative we started working on this right so you do like workshops you do campaigns right you do a lot of uh, sort of speaking engagements and that kind of thing Yes, yes. So we, uh, part of our work was largely raising awareness. So we uh, found different ways to uh, do this thing. And we also uh, kept in our mind from our early experience uh, in the very start of the campaign is that media role is very important. Because mm -hmm. if I'm speaking to a group of 300 people, I just create 300 people, made 300 people aware. But if I can get a media article around this, I can reach out to a few lakh people directly. And the credibility of print media uh, or the traditional media cannot be ignored. So uh, I'll give you a few examples of how we uh, took advantage of this. So there was World Yoga Day, uh, which was very popular. And mm -hmm. uh, the air quality was uh, used to be bad at that time. So uh, doctors told us that uh, if you are kind of exercising in bad air quality or doing any kind of uh, exercises, it can affect you, it do more harm to you than your perception of you doing a exercise good for your health. So what we did is that we went to a park, uh, gathered the group of people, got a doctor in, and we made people aware about how air quality affects their health. At the same time, we got in media to come in and we made people wear masks and take a photo mm. uh, of, uh, of doing yoga. So that really uh, uh, caught attention of the media and it expanded. Then mm. another example where we did is that we uh, got a group, a large group of cyclists to do a cycling uh, rally uh, around uh, the city. So that got attention. Like during during Diwali, which is a festival where a lot of crackers are burned, you got students involved. Students are, uh, I think kids are really the main uh, front runners of this environment movement because they understand uh, things much more clarity than we adults do and they have absolute clarity on what needs to be done and everything. So they came forward and they did a campaign asking people not to burst crackers uh, 
uh, in Diwali. So these kind of uh, things. Then we did some workshop with students where we actually taught them how to make a uh, air quality monitor, a simple one, build, uh, get some sensors and everything. We did a technical workshop for them to uh, just get involved and get understand what it really air quality means. What are the different different ways you can understand air quality and what it means to have hazardous air quality, uh, what it means to have a particular matter, all the technicalities to get into details with a little bit of fun and uh, adventure for them. We did something called street theaters. We launched a competition for ah. youth in colleges to nice. come up with street theaters uh, about air pollution. And there were two uh, objectives for this. One is to involve them creatively into understanding the subject. Second, to make awareness about the uh, issue in different communities. So what the task was that we involved eight colleges. They came up with eight different uh, plays and they would go around in communities and perform this and we would record them and we we awarded, uh, uh, we gave two awards. Or thing. One was for the best script. Another was the number of uh, reach outs. So if someone did four uh, presentations and someone is eight so what, the eight one got the award for the maximum reach out and of course the play was more qualitative as how the play was what was the content how how uh, communicative it was how well it was performed and all of those aspects so that was a very interesting uh, thing that helped us this uh, get more um, like communication part of it so yeah then I we mean... made a lot of videos mm. Yes, uh, we did a lot of videos involving different stakeholders to engage people digitally as well. So yes, mm. these are certain uh, campaigns and activities that we did to keep uh, engaging with our stakeholders. Yeah, I really like the usage of uh, theater. Theater is always popular, particularly amongst uh, younger people, and it's very effective. It's very effective theater, so that's really cool. I like that. I know something else that you do. You're a global shaper. How did you get involved with that? Yeah, so Global Shapers is a wonderful community of young people set up by the World Economic Forum. And uh, it, is, it, is, uh, it is loosely held hubs across the world uh, where shapers kind of self-organize for impact. Uh, so what we do as shapers, like uh, right now, I am the curator for the Kolkata Hub. And mm -hmm. uh, during my curatorship, uh, we have got different hub members who work on different uh, professional engagements. But we as, uh, as a community come together, identify local issues, national issues, global issues, build projects around them, work with them. We collaborate with other hubs across the world to work on issues. So it's a it's a wonderful organization, wonderful community, and uh, I've been involved with them for about four years now. And it's it's a lot of learning, a lot of networking, and a lot of peer to peer uh, learning that happens within the network. And uh, it's it's a fantastic community. I really feel privileged to be part of it because it's it's really giving me a lot of understanding about different issues talking yeah. to multicultural people from different backgrounds, going to some of the conferences where you meet them, you discuss with them, understand things about culture, which you might not understand reading and watching movies. But when you talk to people, it just strikes you. So those are really uh, experiences that uh, I really count. And I imagine as you are passionate about the environment and all of your work is in, aligned with the environment, when you start to um, sort of, uh, share ideas with your peers 
in the global sh in in this forum global shapers you realize that the environment is sort of intricately somehow in line with all of those issues you understand what i mean like like you said at the beginning you can't extract the environment from our daily lives you know the environment is connected to every sort of other social problem that we have so i think that's that's always interesting to make yeah. those connections absolutely absolutely so if you talk about uh, uh, environmental uh, this thing if you talk about justice uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's all linked because if if there's a natural disaster uh, which is uh, happening which are extreme weather events you see the most vulnerable being more most affected so it's definitely a question about uh, justice uh, then you talk about the rights of the communities you know uh, that that depend on uh, forest resources to survive uh, so uh, so th that is the uh, issue of their rights so there are a lot of things uh, uh, related to this thing so uh, as you as you also said that yes all of these things are very related very cross boundary issues and you cannot uh, uh, kind of work on these issues in isolation so when when someone is working with with women uh, on on their rights and uh, you have a discussion with them uh, about environment you find a lot of common uh, common uh, areas where you can actually work together so like for example uh, at uh, uh, we work on uh, the rights of uh, women in terms of access to uh, clean cooking because that is mm -hmm. something which uh, happens in a lot of countries where firewood is being used as uh, for cooking and these women because they choke uh, uh, their their uh, lungs get affected their eyes get affected because of the smoke that they are exposed yeah. to uh, yeah so this is this is a very women centric issue because they spend their time cooking uh, yeah. for their families so this is this is a very uh, exam uh, uh, example of how human rights and environment are linked absolutely now you wanted to share with us your views on developing solutions with simplicity and technology for our fellow entrepreneurs yeah. that are, are listening in I like those two words simplicity and technology so why simplicity why should we approach uh, developing solutions with simplicity I mean I think technology it's quite obvious why we would use technology but why simplicity uh, I, I from my experience of working on so many ideas and mm. I have noticed is uh, one pattern where uh, not all of my ideas took uh, shape of a project or a mm -hmm. organization and mm -hmm. uh, just looking at some of the patterns on which ones made it to a project and succeeded I think the most effective ones were the most simple ones i'll give you a very good example that comes to me i uh, along with one of my friends since last year we started working on a project where we would go around the city and fix open taps so there are about 70 17000 community taps roadside taps across uh, kolkata and uh, some of these uh, or a large percentage of these uh, taps were either broken or there was no tap at all and mm. this uh, community is supplied with water at two different time for a couple of hours uh, in the morning and the evening so mm. at a lot of these taps a lot of water is being 
just waste it going down the drains because there's no tap and or it is broken and no one uh, uh, so naturally the water gets wasted so what we did is that we just took hired a one one plumber guided a few materials we would go around in weekends for uh, about two hours and identify one location uh, there go around look at open and leaky taps fix them and that's that's the project we call fix for life and this is this is a very simple idea very imp- uh, effective very impactful mm, right right why do you think when early, er, entrepreneurs are in the early stages of their businesses they don't always go for simplicity Yes, so simplicity, what happens is that in my understanding, what I meant by simplicity is that when you're starting everything, look at the smallest uh, area of the project that you can immediately get into action with. So when we are building some solution, we want to really add a lot of, uh, whether building a project or building some kind of, uh, building a product or a project, what we do is we try to add a lot of features, a lot of components to that. To yeah. make it very holistic, we want to do everything. We just want to uh, become the uh, one-stop solution for everything. I think I I learned from my personal experiences is that that might not be the best approach, uh, and uh, I still think I, I'm still learning. So, but uh, my perspective is that that might not be the best approach. So, like for example, with the uh, the uh, I will relate to the tap example. If I would have thought uh, two things, one uh, that Maybe I need to first collect the data of how many taps are there in this city that are open and uh, uh, all those things. I might not have been able to start that project. So I immediately jumped on, uh, started fixing taps. At this, on the sideline, we did uh, found out more data about it. What could be the wastage? How can we scale it up? How can we sustain that initiative? This thing. But parallelly, we started uh, working on this initiative. So that kept our interest, our motivation on the project as well. So uh, it, uh, it, what happens is that when you start working on an idea, the sooner you can get something moving, I believe the larger the chances is that you will pursue it. Otherwise, you might just lose interest or uh, think it is too complicated or things are not moving. You get demotivated or uh, anything can happen when the idea can die, uh, die out. So, and as you say that uh, ideas do not have any power uh, more than a small neuron uh, area that it occupies within our brain unless it materializes becomes any uh, implemented it doesn't really have a lot of power so it's important that we don't let a lot of these ideas die because i think every idea has a lot of power so and a lot of ideas do not become reality so we need more ideas to become reality and one of the ways is to look at the smallest component of it that you can start with and get started with Right. So when you when you've identified that there's a problem and you have a solution, you come up with an idea instead of trying to go big and complex and design these very complicated processes and systems. Keep it simple and start with what you can work with now and then develop on that. Yes. So you should be doing basic research on anything that is important because if you're going to invest your time and other resources, you should uh, well be convinced that there is uh, a market for it or there is a need for it uh, based on what you're working on. But you should not also overthink on any idea or this thing because in most cases, 
the market or the problem is so big that there can be multiple uh, solutions that can coexist, multiple players that can coexist, and each one can have a market for themselves. So uh, it's not about like the uh, the pie is so large and there are so many competitors and everything. There are certain areas, especially in the field that I am associated with, social entrepreneurship, especially environment. I I feel uh, there is. Uh, I encourage a lot of people to come in and uh, and work on this thing because there's just no, nothing called competition in my field. The, right. the more people work in this thing, there is going to be a faster uh, recovery of uh, addressing of the solution. So uh, I think that is my perspective is on this is that uh, uh, you should not overthink on uh, one of these ideas that you're working on and make progress, gradual progress around it. Look at the smallest very important to look at the smallest thing that you can start with. If there is a big project or solution that you're working on, what is that one piece that you can get started with, uh, with, with minimum resources, with your contacts, with your networks, with your uh, personal capacity or whatever it is. So that's more important to identify that uh, from that idea. What is that smallest piece that I can get started with? I love what you just said about uh, as social entrepreneurs, particularly working in the environment, there's no competition. You know, it's true because the problems are so vast and so they're so big that 50, 50 people together still couldn't be enough. Building businesses uh, still couldn't be enough to solve the problem. So you're absolutely right. You know, like bring your ideas, keep them simple because that field is so big. There's so many things going wrong and we need more social entrepreneurs to be fair. Yes, and, uh, it, and it, I also don't believe that every idea has to be unique. Uh, you have to do something out of the box. Uh, right, if you right. see something which is working, especially in the context of social entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. I, I think if it is something is working that you have seen is a very simple, very effective idea, uh, reach out to that person, talk to them about what they are doing, understand from them. And in most cases, you will see in social entrepreneurship era, uh, in, the, in this domain, people are more willing to share this thing because a lot of them don't look at it at this as competition they look at collaboration so yes in, in, there could be a possibility you can collaborate and uh, customize that idea to your local reality and bring that uh, solution for your city or for your geographical area because if if you look at uh, a lot of solutions uh, that we are trying to address maybe most of them already have solutions working in a smaller capacity in some geography across the world. But Absolutely. maybe those ideas are not scalable. Those Absolutely. ideas are not scalable in terms of resources that they consume. So it may not be possible for that particular entrepreneur to actually scale it up. But how it can be scaled is by someone like you uh, who, is, who is passionate about that idea to take it up in your geography. Absolutely. That could be... Uh, a fantastic solution to scale such solutions. So uh, I, I actually worked with one of my friend uh, who's a fellow global shaper and she is working on uh, on documenting some of these ideas, making blueprints of these ideas and uh, starting consulting people on how uh, she can help people to implement solutions that they want to do. So like, for example, if I have built some solution that's uh, uh, an organization around addressing uh, some problem 
uh, like say blood donation that we work on how and uh, if someone else is wanting to work on that how can we make a blueprint that someone can adopt and fix it to local reality so uh, this is very interesting for me and i really want uh, more initiatives like this to grow uh, because right now the young generation today looks for meaning in what they uh, do they're mm-hmm. looking for such projects which have high social impact so uh, there's a very big uh, scope to uh, for people uh, on this thing and my my quick message to young people on this is that don't hesitate uh, mm. be, be brave to reach out to people in this mm. world of digital access that's a greatest asset that you have if you say you want to reach out to xyz person who is whose solution you like uh, try reach out to them on linkedin on facebook on twitter on uh, looking for their email uh, somehow look for mutual pe- people that you can then can introduce you to them try and get uh, re- read some of their blogs uh, find some of the things that caught their interest do a little bit of research and write a very compelling pitch to them uh, to convince them that they are worth your time and that's it that's all you need anyone if you can convince them that uh, you are worth a con- con- time a conversation with them uh, they are most likely to reply and that uh, could be a very big head start for you uh, all the research that you would be spending time on doing google and everything they have surpassed all of those things so you can directly move ahead with uh, your early bottlenecks with their advice Absolutely. And I really like what you said about collaboration. I think collaboration is a form of simplicity because you're, when you sit in your own little corner and you don't reach out to others, you, you don't realize that, or you don't get the opportunity to realize that there are people working on the same exact thing like you in another part of the world. And like you said, they may be doing something that's not working there, but you could take pieces of that and and retrofit it to to your geography and that's so much about what rare birds is about bringing a lots of different people from you know different parts of the world who are experiencing the same types of issues and saying okay how can we work together how can we how can i learn from you because so many of the problems are the same so many of the problems are the same it's just a different part of the world but i think that when you collaborate you simplify things because you get to maximize each other's resources right you get to streamline and i think that's really helpful when you're building something from scratch yeah absolutely very well uh, put about the collaboration part and uh, uh, it's it's very little that you can do alone as an mm. individual or as an organization but when you collaborate you multiply the impact uh, so uh, just just uh, giving you some kind of examples about uh, things like say for mm. example you are working on a certain idea you have a solution uh, that you work in and the output of that solution could be a raw material for other organization so that could be very very impactful so suppose i am working on maybe blood donation already and i have 300 400 volunteers that work with my organization we are all trained to take calls about this thing uh, this thing uh, so in future if say suppose uh, i want to start something which is a mental health service uh, helpline or something uh, mm. then these volunteers some of the volunteers are already experienced in managing a call uh, managing uh, working in teams and everything so if some of them are interested in an issue i can pick some of them and start working on a helpline right from the uh, 
from an execution level rather than uh, going a lot of process uh, process of looking for new volunteers so what i did here is that use one of the uh, available resources uh, mm-hmm. to my advantage uh, to uh, get started quickly my my mantra here is to get started quickly how can i get off uh, quickly uh, with with this idea that i am seeing because the longer i think i sit on an idea the lesser the chances that it will see reality yeah you know something i'm really curious about uh so much of your work involves mobilizing people uh getting people to to it's about change right getting people to come out and do something learn about something but essentially you're you're constantly mobilizing people how do you how do you do that how do you get people on your side how do you get people fired up about the environment how do you get people to care about water and clean air and like what do you do how do you, is it do you use storytelling do you is it just factual do you connect with them and you say hey this is what's happening because i think everyday people it's not that they don't care but they're too busy living their own lives you know they don't always have the time to think about these things even though they're really important so i'm really curious as to how you mobilize because i think from an entrepreneurial perspective there's a lot to learn from that like how to get people on your side and to buy into whatever it is that you're you're trying to 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 engage with them on that's a very good question and uh, i i think uh, that is a very very uh, well identified area i think that's a very important uh, area for you to build success to mm. rally a community around your cause and yes. uh, i'll i'll answer this question in three uh, major points that i would look at first okay. uh, i think is put of luck and positive energy when you mm. work on a cause and an intent with uh, with with passion and i think i think the universe also responds to you and it brings you a lot of uh, resources people who believe in you and uh, automatically things start working on as you work yeah. on something with your intent so that's uh, what my, i believe is one of the uh, recipes and you will see that happen every time you start uh working on something with very very strong intent uh, yeah. so that's one of the things but uh, but that that alone i would not say is the solution you can mm-hmm. actually uh work on certain things and the two things is uh, uh communicating very actively about what you're doing so if you see i am very active on uh social media mostly facebook and i keep communicating what i am doing Uh, out there so mm. and uh, we may assume uh, that people are not maybe watching us or this thing but yes uh, that's 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 our assumption because a lot of people actually see your post they may not uh, like it or they may not comment on it but they keep getting informed about your activities and when they see something which uh, links with them or they find within their network that someone is looking for a solution they make that connection happen for you and right. keep in mind uh the, you capture their mind space when you keep updating your social media activities uh, with people and uh, uh that's one of the things and being actively engaged in the community uh 
is also very important because that's where collaborations happen. So if I'm working on water, what are the few top organizations or leaders or uh, who, who have championed this cause? So you need to follow them uh, mm-hmm. on social media and you should reach out to them. So one is attracting people. Second is reaching out to people. That's also very important that you actively reach out to those people and inform them about uh, what you are doing so that you also capture their mind space about the solution and when yeah. they come across opportunities uh, that that is relevant for me they point people towards me so these are two factors that has led me to a lot of connections and resources for the work I do absolutely I love what you said about you know a bit of luck and, and positive energy I I'm a firm believer in what you put out is what you get back. I think that if you are someone who you're smiling and you come with this good energy and you know, it doesn't mean you don't see negativity. It doesn't mean that you don't experience it, but you just, you're so focused and you just, you just put out your best self. You will somehow always attract the right people to you because people are drawn to that. You know, they'll say, you're so happy all the time or, you know, you're, you come across as so inspiring and, and people are drawn to that. And before you know it, they start uh, connecting you with other people and lots of other things start flowing. So I think it's also the position from, from where you start, you know, if you, if you come across with that right kind of energy, I think that sets a lot of good things in motion. But I also like what you said about community. You can't, building community is, is, is very time consuming but I feel like you can't really affect change if you don't have a community around you, if you don't rally people around you. And I think sometimes entrepreneurs don't always see themselves as community builders, but I always tell everyone when they're building something, build a community. I think it's important to build a community of supporters and followers and focus on the community and then all the other stuff will fall into place. But not everyone agrees with, with that perspective. I have friends that don't, but I see it that way. I think community is really important, not just for social entrepreneurs, but for anyone building anything, you need a community. Absolutely. I think uh, your point in community, your community is your early adopter for any product and uh, this thing. And someone who exactly. already is most likely to believe in that uh, if, especially if you're working on something new, something unique, then you need early adopters for your product or service. And uh, this yeah. community is most likely to absorb it. And, uh, just uh, giving you a very practical uh, solution for people, young people, especially who are listening to it because the objective is to create value is uh, use Facebook's uh, groups as, uh, as a tool for you, uh, community building. And mm-hmm. uh, that works really very easy. It's, it's free. It works wonderful uh, uh, for engagement. So two things uh, is look for groups that are relevant to the area of work that you're doing. Start being a member of it. Start communicating with uh, people in that domain. Mm. And how you attract customers or uh, or adopters for you or collaborators for you is that get involved in discussion. So for example, if I am working something on XYZ and uh, already there is a community, I will not go there and post my ad into that community. But what I will do is that very smartly contribute to the discussion that is already happening or raise a certain question which introduces me as someone who is involved in this space and 
very smartly i also sh uh, share my the links that i want to share where, where i want to uh, people to get diverted uh, to that this thing and if you do it very smartly you can actually get uh, a very huge amount of relevant traffic to your uh, portal or your idea uh, uh, or uh, attract a lot of people to yourself and these will be all very relevant people so rather yeah. than reaching out to 20000 people if you re reach out to those 2000 people the response that you get from the 200 people uh, the conversion would be much much higher for you so yeah. it 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 is a gold digger if you look at facebook groups i call them gold digs you can dig into and get involved with uh, you can really make a lot of uh, difference and get ahead in your game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you are still a very young man and you've done a lot. I mean, you're right now you're the director of Earth Day, uh, I believe in the, is it the South Asian region? South Asia, Southeast Asia yes. region, right? And that comes with a lot of responsibility along with all the other things that you do. So where do you... I mean, I don't like to uh, like ask you to plan your life, but where do you see yourself going maybe in the next few years? Where do you see yourself getting into? Because you've already done so much. So what's next for you? Honestly, I think uh, I would underestimate. Uh, I, I feel that people thinking about uh, this thing, they always underestimate themselves. So I don't really put <laughs> a lot into where I would like to see myself. So I like to follow the... Uh, yeah. path and look at solutions i am very much intent driven and very much driven by as i say uh, reading the energies around things mm. and uh, i very much believe that when i do anything uh, with right intent people solutions planet whatever energies work and they create ways for me so i don't really plan a lot for uh, future in terms of my, uh, what I am going to do for the next uh, next three months, four months or ahead. I look at, uh, I like to very much believe in presence. I do plan for uh, solutions that I'm working on, how they will work as a project in future, but I don't really think much about where I would want to see myself. But uh, having said that, I do have uh, some aspirations to uh, be more active in the public space in terms of uh, either either running uh, large number of uh, solutions, how to scale them. That is one area how I do it. Second is look at uh, look at being more involved in 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 uh, public space and as a sense being more actively involved in maybe politics in future. Mm. So these are two thoughts. Uh, uh, that I have in the mind. I don't have anything that I'm actively working to get myself involved in those steps right now. But this is where I see myself adding more value. How can what I'm doing right now, I can I can take it to a different level. So that's, that's two areas where I see I can create more impact as of now. I don't know how it is going to be next few months if my perspective changes, but that's about it. Okay, AJ, we've arrived at the end of the conversation. And this is where I ask our guests, what lessons would you like to share from your entrepreneurial journey? To all 
the listeners on from my journey experiences don't sit on an idea start working on it if you do so ask for help there will be help is available to you lastly work some time uh, on the site maybe you start with one hour a day something to start building on your idea reach out to a lot of people uh, many times we don't reach out to people asking mm-hmm. for help it is very yeah. important and you will be surprised how people come forward to support you right. lastly work with great intent intent is very important to get long term interest and in, uh, to the idea because your commitment uh will depend on how strongly you are attached to that idea and with great intent you build great things so that's my message to everyone fantastic ajay where can we find you in social media so i'm i'm very active on facebook you can look for me ajay mittal that's my name a j a a y m i t t a l and also i'm on linkedin and twitter twitter handle is ajay mittal 033 Perfect. Ajay, it has been a real pleasure to speak with you. I really enjoyed all of your insights. This was a fantastic conversation and hope you can join us again soon, another time where we can follow up and learn a little Thank bit more you. from you. Okay. Thank you. And also I think if, if we can add one more thing is that um uh, yes. uh, I am working on a, a campaign called eachonesave1.com. eachonesave1.com oh, nice. is Uh, saving one unit of electricity daily so okay. you can you can go and visit each1save1.com and pledge to save one unit of electricity daily brilliant we will do that each1save1.com fantastic okay guys i hope you had a great time listening in to ajay i certainly did please reach out to him please visit his website please brilliant okay guys until next time bye for now thank you thank you Hey there, rare ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.